Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Before I start, I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his first impeachment. Congrats, baby. Uh, The next one will be easier. I know this one hurt a little bit, but it'll be easier next time. I promise. And be proud, Mr. President, for the first time in your life, with no help from anyone else, you achieved something all on your own. Your dad didn't help. Your daddy Vlad didn't help. This is all you, baby. And I know it's got to feel good to have more votes at something than Hillary Clinton ever got. Let's begin. Welcome to the Sanity Cast Christmas Holiday Spectacular with Tom Hartman. Uh, I'm John Fugelsang. This is the podcast about how to stay sane when the country has gone completely batshit and the Christians have in, uh, elected Caligula. It's all about the very fine art of giving a fuck. And, you know, some people accuse me of being way too into impeachment, but I'm not. I, I only like it for the articles. Now, uh, during the impeachment hearings, there's a lot to cover, but uh, my favorite moment was when they actually compared Donald Trump to Jesus. Yeah, for those who don't know, and remind your racist uncle at Christmas time, the only thing Donald Trump has in common with Jesus is that they both hung out with hookers and used ghostwriters, okay? One takeaway from the entire impeachment, just remember this, impeaching a president for bribing and shaking down an ally and obstructing the investigation so they can cheat to win an election is not partisan. It's constitutional. Defending that president is partisan. And let's not also forget, he's the third impeached president, but he might be the first to really totally deserve it. It's actually good to remember this impeachment is more popular among American citizens now than the Revolutionary War was among American colonists. And now let's shift to the holidays. I want to wish, um, um, just take a moment and wish a very happy holidays to all of our right-wing friends who are so upset about the war on Christmas. I'm worried about you guys. It's it's Christmas time and you're not very merry. Because, you know, every December for years now, Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck and uh, to a lesser extent, Tucker Carlson, even Laura Ingram, I got a satellite dish to watch her show in the original German uh, and the American Family Association. They've all 
been whipping you, right-wing loved ones, into a frenzy every year because Christmas is under attack from secularists and atheists and liberals and random nameless non-Christians. And the proof is that businesses aren't saying Merry Christmas anymore. They're saying happy holidays. And I know President Trump promised to make this go away. And he tells you, you can say Merry Christmas again. But somehow, when you look around, all these stores, they're still doing it. American Family Association even lists businesses like Barnes & Noble and Radio Shack that Christians should boycott because their advertising says happy holidays instead of actually invoking Jesus's birth to sell you the Fifty Shades of Grey novels and flat screens. Yeah, on my own block, brothers and sisters, in New York City, there's this combination head shop and porn emporium with a happy holidays sign in the window. And I went in to complain, but they told me something interesting. I didn't even think about it before. They told me that atheists and non-Christians buy porn and drug paraphernalia too. The folks at the head shop porn shop said they were trying to be inclusive for all their customers by extending goodwill to everyone buying dildos and bongs this time of year. Now, I'm not going to try and convince our right-wing brothers and sisters that the war on Christmas is a big racket where a majority gets upset because they're being forced to be considerate to minorities. You know, you can try this with your relatives who believe this garbage. You can tell them that by protesting happy holidays, you're confusing Christianity with Christian supremacy. And, you know, they're not actually spreading the gospel of Jesus's teachings. They're just imposing their taste on other people. And they could fight for us to be a real Christian nation by advocating for the poor and the sick and the least of us. But if you try and do that, of course, certain Christians are going to call you a socialist. So just get angry about Jesus's birthday. You know, you can tell them that the Glenn Becks and the Bill O'Reilly's and the Tuckers trot this war on Christmas crap out every year for one reason. It's good for ratings while they take money from advertisers to air commercials that still say happy holidays. Remember back when they used to say uh, season's greetings? Remember those days? I always found that kind of clunky, but nobody ever got offended by it. And you know why? Because we didn't have right-wing media that had figured out a way to control people with faux outrage yet. I could tell you it seems more than a little creepy to hear these right-wing media folks warning a comfortable majority that their way of life is at risk because of an evil, spiritually inferior minority. I mean, you could actually take any Eichmann speech and replace the word Juden with secularist, and, you know, Glenn Beck could read it, and he'd probably, I guess he'd be confused by the references to Poland, but he'd be making the same point. Look, I could even tell you, right-wing loved one, that the entire holiday is kind of crazy to begin with. Christmas is when we give material possessions as gifts to celebrate the birth of a guy who renounced material possessions. December 25th isn't even really Jesus his birthday. When the Roman Empire co-opted Christianity, they chose that date because it was already their feast of the Roman god Mithra. Now astronomers think Jesus may have really been born in June. And you're not angry over that? I mean, that, that should offend you. They're actually saying Jesus is a Gemini. I mean, I guess that would explain the whole temple freakout episode. But I'll just put it this way. Um, loved ones of the right wing who are offended by happy holidays, why do you hate capitalism? You see, when a company chooses to say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, they're only trying to be considerate to as many people as possible because that's good business. The only sin they've committed is attempting to not alienate their non-Christian customers. It's kind of a rare example of business aligning with Jesus's teachings. They're trying to, they're trying to maximize their profit, but you see, at least they're doing it by being nice to people. Happy Holidays 
is just an attempt to express love and goodwill to everybody, not just the people in your own club, and to wish joy on those of different faiths or unbelievers as much as you would wish it on your fellow Christians. See, that's the kind of wish that doesn't draw lines. It doesn't elevate your beliefs over somebody else's. It's a greeting that just wishes happiness to everyone. And that's why Happy Holidays is a lot more Christian than Merry Christmas. So happy holidays, because the war on Christmas is over, if you want it. I'm so thrilled that our Holiday Spectacular has, um, as its guest, the great Tom Hartman. He's just a magnificent uh, broadcaster and author and public speaker. He's been hosting the nationally syndicated show, The Tom Hartman Program, since 2003. He hosted a great nightly TV show. This man's a bodhisattva. To me, he's just so evolved morally and mentally, and I'm, I'm, I'm a complete groupie when I'm around him. It's actually embarrassing. We were on a panel together uh, for the end of the year and end of the decade at Sirius XM. That's a cool special. It's going to be airing all over and after the panel he invited me to come on his show and i did and afterwards we had a talk about um pretty much everything tom hartman is a radio host who's so brilliant that if i'm in a car listening to his show this is true i always keep a notebook and pen handy because i know i'm going to have to pull over to the side of the road and write down something brilliant he just said i really hope you enjoy it i'm thrilled to present a conversation with tom hartman Tom Harbing, what a pleasure. Hey, thank you, John. It's, it's great being here with you. Oh, thank you. It's really an honor. Um, you are someone who has consistently been there for me when I need to have my myself recalibrated mentally and emotionally and historically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious, since what happened in election 2016, have you had moments of despair, moments of shock, moments of just uh, complete dismay, or are you able to put all the madness, all the gaslighting, all the rank fuckery we've seen into some kind of context. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't, despair is, is not something that I have experienced in a long, long time. I have uh, basically since I was a teenager, I think, you know, and, 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 and part of it is probably because, um, you know, I lived through a period of time and I was right in the middle of it, uh, the, the late 60s, um, where... Um, I have been I've been arrested a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I, I was in SDS. We had uh, the, the one guy who was always yelling that we needed to be burning down the ROTC building. We later learned was a state cop. Um, wow. I had uh, I, I had a friend who joined weather, the weather underground and ended up in prison for years. Um, you know, uh, I, I knew someone who knew one of the people who was killed at Kent State. I mean, they were trying to kill us. Right. I mean, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the 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 cops who infiltrated us, who wanted yeah. to, to get us into conflict situations. Um, I had friends who died in Vietnam. They killed fifty six thousand of us and and um, probably half to three quarters, maybe even more of those of those fifty six thousand people who died meant humans or excuse me, Americans who died in, in Vietnam. There were two million humans who died in Vietnam or as a consequence of that war in Laos and Cambodia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were of my age, more or less, you know. Uh, in '68, I was 17, and um, and I and I lived through that, and I saw America wake up from that. And I, you know, yeah, I get it. It wasn't World War II. It wasn't the Civil War. Well, World War II wasn't so much of a crisis for America. It was just a challenge. But right. the Civil War was a real crisis. The Great Depression was a real crisis. Um, 
and and there have been other you know the panic of 1895 and and the panic of 1846 mm-hmm. and the the great depression of 19 or 1837 and whatnot but having having lived through times of extreme turmoil i mean you know in ways that i i don't think that we're quite at yet in some ways and we're way beyond in other ways right um i just i've never felt like giving up i've always felt like the the ideals of the enlightenment the uh, the ideas that that john locke laid down in the 1780s uh, or 1680s that and the battles you know that that came out of hobbes in the in the 1630s first making this wild suggestion and he was the he was the uh, tutor to uh, charles the first and uh making this wild suggestion that that people could actually govern themselves on the one hand Mm -hmm. which kicked off what we call modern liberalism now and then also in leviathan hobbes saying and without the iron fist of church or state that's right man reverts to his natural state which and and there's no arts no letters no no motion uh i forget the whole long list and then you know it all wraps up with life is nasty brutish and short and and then Locke came along you know a generation later and said uh no not necessarily you know and he had rousseau in there with a noble savage saying no the natural state of man is not or humankind is not uh, evil and doesn't need the iron fist of church or state but you know Locke saying we can govern ourselves that 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 happiness is actually an intrinsic right and and that you know jefferson took Locke's life liberty and property and converted life liberty and happiness but he got happiness from Locke. Locke wrote about that at some length in his two treatises on government and and then jefferson took that in that whole revolutionary era there's um there's an extraordinarily extraordinary new book out uh, just came out uh, in the last few months I, I it's called america's revolutionary mind as i recall mm-hmm. and it was about how that generation that came of age in the 1860s 70s and 80s was was profoundly uh politically and psychologically different than the generation that preceded it much the way that the generation of the 60s was right um, and and I think we're seeing that again now in the in the in the millennials. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Strauss and Howe and their fourth turning theory that there's four generations that constantly repeat throughout history. Yes, yes. And and uh, uh, so anyway, this is a long answer to a short no, no, question, but, but but the bottom line is that I, I I see all this in that context, and I and I and I think that uh, ultimately it's going to go one of two ways. Um, the crisis comes roughly every 80 years. And the last crisis was the Great Depression and mm-hmm. World War II. Um, the crisis before that was the Panic of 1856 and the Civil War and the right. Dred Scott decision. The crisis before that was the, was the Panic of 1770, followed by the Tea Act and the Townsend's Act, the intolerable acts in aggregate that led to the, to the American Revolution. And um, so we're in the 80-year zone. We're, we're due for a major reboot of our culture our society and our politics and 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 on the edge of being overdue for it and the the thing that haunts me is that in 1932 uh the world was racked by the great depression germany was hit every bit as hard as we were in fact harder because of the treaty of versailles they had hitler we had fdr and we know how that worked out yeah 
And that's one of the reasons why I think this this election is uh, probably going to end up being the most important election of the last, well, since FDR. Um, because if we end up with another four years of Trump, I don't believe our republic will survive. I'm that serious about it. I think that we will we will follow Viktor Orban, uh, and I've got a piece coming out about this next week. Um, you know, he has he, he changed the Constitution. He stacked the courts. Mm -hmm. He basically uh, gerrymandered the entire country so that his party, Fidesz, will always have a two thirds majority. Mm -hmm. um, he his oligarch buddies have bought all of the media. There is no opposition media left anymore. Um, they tolerate opposition parties so they can pretend they have a democracy. Exactly. But, you know, they're just voices screaming in the wind. And we're moving in that direction. We're moving in that direction really rapidly. And if we don't end up with a politician, um, you know, we were talking earlier about base strategies. Right. Uh, if we don't end up, end up with a politician who has a, enough fire in her belly or his belly um, and, and enough courage of their convictions to, to do what FDR did in the face of not just death threats, but, you know, 500,000 men organized by the DuPonts to, mm -hmm. with Smedley Butler to literally take him out of the White House. Um, if we don't if we don't do that, I have a lot of concern. I don't have despair. Okay, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have a lot of concern because because you know the end of the story for Hitler and Tojo is is well known. I think that you know Locke's fundamental. I mean, that's the first time in ten thousand years that it really played out in a way that you could argue was worldwide. You know, the, absolutely. You had the Greek Republic, you had the Roman Republic. Those are the early experiments, but. There's a lot to unpack there, and obviously I, I draw comfort from the fact that sometimes the stupid is stronger than the sinister. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, let's fire Comey. Let's invade Russia during the winter. Right. You know, these evil guys yep. surrounded by yes men just make stupid choices. I draw comfort from the fact that wicked, mediocre men in the executive branch is historically nothing new. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I even draw comfort from the fact that Trump is really on paper not the worst president of this century. Um, I think he's got a long way to go to cause as much damage as the George W. Bush administration did. Right. But um, having said that, it does feel like this is very, very different. It is. And perhaps it's a, you know, it's a combination of uh, our, our media culture, our, our reality TV culture. Um, it's a combination of the successful way of depressing voter turnout I think there's something supernatural here I really do yeah I, I, I think evil is afoot yeah and I think Donald Trump is is an incarnation of evil uh, or has acquired evil or um, at some point it's 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 Faustian you know it's it, yeah. it's 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 it wouldn't surprise me if when he was young he had actually tried to make a deal with the devil half believing it but it actually worked out or something. I, you mm -hmm. know, I'm not even sure I believe in the devil. I'm pretty sure I don't. But, yeah. but there's something that you just can't explain with, uh, with a label of psychopathology going on here. Well, what worries me is the same thing that worried me under Bush, which is that uh, on some level, Trump is really just the hood ornament on the car. Yeah. that is crashing into the peaceful marketplace. And if Trump were to disappear tomorrow and vaporize the forces that put him there and that are beyond reason... And that <clears throat> resent you for your facts and empathy. Well, the big danger is that we get a more competent Trump. Exactly. You know, which would be like Ted Cruz. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, who was, I don't know if he was a Rhodes Scholar, but he was, you know, first in his class kind of a very, very smart guy. Um, Donald Trump has a, obviously a mediocre intellect, if that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure that Mike Pence could do that, but I debated Mike Pence once um, at the Heritage Foundation, and mm-hmm. I think. It was for a talker's convention, you know. And, um, and he wiped the floor with me by having done his homework. Mm-hmm. He, he found some articles that I had published way back uh, about the Fairness Doctrine when I really didn't understand it and, and uh, quoted me, and I didn't even realize he was quoting me until he was all done, and he said, that uh-huh. was you. And boom, I lost the debate. Um, he's, he's prepared, he's careful, he's, he's capable of being sinister, I think. He's also most likely unelectable. That's the good news. Yeah. That's the good news, yeah. What gives you hope? What gives me hope is that um, all through all these years, whether it was the Greeks or whether it was Jesus or whether it was Muhammad in his original form, you know, he was a a prophet of peace as much Mm -hmm. as of anything else. Um, uh, Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, Jefferson, um, all of these, uh, you know, none of them were acted out perfectly, but there, there has been this continual... Uh, I, I don't like the word evolution, but um, you know the arc is bending in a in a positive direction to, yes. to mangle the the uh, MLKism, and um, I think as we have ever more information and connection, um, if we can keep the malign forces at bay, and this is my big concern about Facebook, for example, right now, and why I wrote that recent piece saying that they should be broken up or yeah. nationalized or the government should, should offer a competition or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's reached the point where it's dangerous to our body politic and our, and our mental health. Were you shocked by the news? The, oh, go ahead, please. By what? Uh, by the news of this meeting with Zuckerberg and Peter Thiel at the White House, where they're more or less saying, we're going to allow you to propagate lies in the name of free speech. Yeah. No, uh, I, well, yeah, I was shocked by it actually, and 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 I was not surprised that they tried to keep it hidden. You know, they tried to keep it covered up. Yeah. So, are we in a constitutional crisis or are we in a constitutional challenge? I think we've been in a constitutional crisis um, hugely since 1976, when the Supreme Court in the Buckley case said that uh, bribery is uh, legal as long as it's confined to politics. Yeah. Uh, and that then opened the door for big money to, to buy and own Ronald Reagan and put him in the White House. And it's been off to the races ever since. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody points to Citizens United, but Citizens United was just a recodification of Buckley. True. And um, that, I think, is the real constitutional crisis. I just wrote a book about this, this, you know, the hidden history of the Supreme Court and the betrayal of America. And that's one of several betrayals, but it was like the major betrayal of our lifetime. And, and I think that if, um, if that decision is not overturned, then we are on the road to, to, to Orban's Hungary. Do you think there's a chance that we would see in America with publicly funded elections in the next hundred years? You know, there was a Democratic debate this week, and I think everybody on the stage was in agreement Mm -hmm. that, you know, money shouldn't be speech. Um, I think that if we can get a Democratic House, Senate, and and White House, uh, there's a possibility. 
how big a factor that's the, that's the cancer at the core of our democracy oh i agree right completely i think money in politics is the square root of all of our social ills from yes. poverty to exporting warfare yep. would you say um that the electoral college uh, presents an existential threat to the Republic in terms of the minority controlling the majority and the will of dead slave owners getting mm. to pick the president. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the Electoral College is why every the, of our first, I think, 13 presidents who weren't named Adams all were slaveholders. Yeah. Um, you know, it's certainly a problem. And and the Republicans, since they've gotten computers, have learned how to. You know, it's just You're the right. same thing with gerrymandering. They've yeah. they've gotten surgical about this stuff. They've you know they've they've gotten really 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 surgical about it. And um, you know that 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 sword can cut both ways. The Dem Democrats just haven't chosen to be strategic. In you know it's it it wouldn't take that much money to take over Wyoming. I mean, what? There's only a couple million people there, right? Mm -hmm. How much does advertising cost in Wyoming? You know, um, and that's just one example. I mean, basically, you've got this huge chunk of America that's very, very thinly populated, where the Republicans have invested a lot of money simply so that they can control the Senate, and 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 in part so they can control the Electoral College, and um, you know, that's something that we've got to deal with too, but. Um, I don't, I don't have an easy answer for it. Well, yeah, I don't have easy questions. I mean, it seems to me that the biggest threat to Trump right now is that he's not going to be able to get 46% of the population to stay home next election day. Uh, I've always maintained right. apathy won in 2016. Hillary Clinton came in second and Trump came in third. You're right. Um, I think Trump's potential greatest asset is the ongoing civil war. Um, on the left between liberals and moderates. We've, we've talked about the Bernie fans and the Hillary fans who are still carrying on a blunt feud. And how do you think that people on the left, centrists and progressives, mm -hmm. can forge a strong enough bond that we can recognize that if we're united, we're the majority, but it's gonna take compromise on everyone's side? I mean, liverals are so tired of compromising. You know, when Susan Sarandon said that uh, she was going to vote for Jill Stein, and if that ended up with Donald Trump, it might be exactly what the country needed. Mm -hmm. I was uh, scoffing at the time. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I wouldn't do it this way again. It I'm, has to get worse before it gets better, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, AA 101, right? Um, yeah. You got to hit bottom. You had to have W so you could get the first black president. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Trump might be what's going to bring us the next FDR. And, and typically, though, what it is is major economic crises that reboot systems. Correct. And, and you know, from this 1770 to 1856 to 1929 to, to uh, whatever's coming down the road. I mean, right now you get the Fed has put now $4 trillion into the repo market, uh -huh. um, which should be all banks. But the banks are saying, no, we're not going to play. This, this is crazy. Yeah, they're 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 buying hundreds of billions of dollars worth of bonds now every week, um, which we used to call quantitative easing. They don't like to use mm -hmm. those words anymore, so they're just saying, "Man, yeah, it's just a bond purchase." Um, they're flooding the money with or the market with cheap money, and it's the only thing that is that is holding things together.
Tom, I'm, I could talk to you all day, and I'm sorry you've had like a couple of phone calls during the course of this interview, and I appreciate it so much. No, it's it's, it's all good. We can go as long as you'd like. Well, I just want to ask you one one more question then. Um, when folks are talking with their loved ones and they hear this argument that it's a, the strongest economy ever, mm-hmm. you know, I usually come back with saying, well, please please name one Obama economic trend that Trump reversed rather than continued. But I've come to believe that a, a second term would be the worst thing that could happen to Donald Trump professionally. You know, if Bush had been knocked the out, economy will yeah, if Bush had been knocked out in 04, John Kerry would have caught all that hell and taken all the blame yep. for the fallout from Bush's trickle down. Well, or if 2008 had happened in 2006, yeah, which is You're what right. happened to Hoover. You know, mm-hmm. it, the crash happened in 29 and he stood for reelection in 32. That's right. And two and a half years of a depression is long enough for people to figure out who's at fault. And the, you know, the, the serious consequences of, of 08 really didn't settle in until, you know, in large part, actually, the year after Election Day that first year. It's terrifying. For all my critiques of Joe Biden, I don't want to see him being the nice old man holding the bag when this whole thing yeah. comes down. Yeah. Um, what, what do you recommend people say to their loved ones who say it's the greatest economy ever? Well, it is if you're in the top 10 percent. I mean, sure. The bottom 90% wages are still where they were they're, in fact, they're below where they were in 68. Yeah. Uh, the minimum, if you were to, if you were to take the 68 minimum wage and minimum inflation wage adjusted, power it would be $22. Is, yeah. The minimum wage buying power is at its lowest since the late sixties. Yep. And I believe it's 69% of us that only have a thousand dollars in a, in a savings account. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. So it seems like this this country I, I fear is becoming a re, uh, a game show called um, food, medicine, rent pick two. Right. Um, and yet, I don't want to be on the side rooting for an economic crash because we saw so much suffering that happened the last time. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I feel I'm very ambivalent about the whole thing. It's I wrote a book. Uh, I the, my proposed title to Hachette was uh, the, the the coming crash. Yes, they titled it the Crash 2016. So the book is no longer in print. Uh. But it uh, it describes exactly what's happening right now, and I believe what's going to happen over the course of the next 24 months. This makes me, I guess, scared and hopeful. I mean, when Bush was reelected, it seemed like the end of the world for so many people, but it did allow things to get a little better, at least stabilized. And I mean, Obama never claimed to be a great liberal. And it does seem that right now there's enormous energy and popularity among the two genuine liberals uh, in this race. And I do believe that the worst nightmares of the oligarchs of America as I've said to you before, are conservative folks actually hearing Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren explain how the game is rigged against working people at length. Right. And that's why you almost never hear them on network television. Yeah. They're not mentioned in polls when Bernie's leading is we don't hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and if and it's simple math, if you were simply to add together Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, um, just add their numbers together. Mm -hmm. It's it's a plurality. It's it's a clear plurality, and it's it's almost a majority. And I think as time goes on, if if they don't get Howard deaned, yeah, uh, Louise and I were watching uh, Hardball. Chris Matthews was interviewing Howard Dean. This was at the top of his popularity. I remember this interview. And and, and Chris said, uh, so uh, you know, what do you think is one of the most important things economically? And Howard Dean say. said, we need to break break up, up the media monopolies. And a uh, week later, right? Exactly. I, I was working at CNBC at the time, and I couldn't believe he said it. Yeah. And Chris Matthews said, well, well wait a minute. This is on. You know, NBC is owned by by General Electric. Are you saying that we should be divested? And Howard Dean was like, yeah, media companies should be media companies. They shouldn't be part of General Electric. And uh, and I turned to Louise and I said, he's toast. Yeah. A week later, the Dean scream. The, the audio scream was, was literally created by the media. Yeah. The audio, the, they played with the equalizer and they just put it out there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they took him down, and and it, it, that's the one thing that um, I worry the most about with regard to either Bernie or Hillary, is that the media will will uh, assassinate them essentially, you know, politically, crucify them might be a better way of saying it. Um, on the other and, and, and on the other hand, I mean, you know, the other thing that we have to keep in mind, and this is what I kept telling people, you know, when when um, Hillary won the primary. And I spent the rest of that year campaigning for Hillary mm -hmm. on my show. Me too. Is that Franklin Roosevelt, you, you know what his campaign promises were? He was going to cut tariffs and balance the budget. Those were his campaign promises. Yeah. I mean, that's what he ran on. He didn't run on the New Deal. He didn't mm -hmm. run on the WPA or the CCC or the TVA or the REA. LBJ or never planned on being a civil rights icon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In fact, LBJ had a long history of being a, a Southern white cracker of a yeah. racist of the worst kind. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't John Eastland, but, mm -hmm. you know, so um, even if we end up with a so-called moderate, you know, even if it's uh, Buttigieg or, or, or uh, Klobuchar or, yeah. or Joe Biden, for that matter, um, when the shit hits the fan, it's entirely possible that they'll rise to the occasion. And I'll take a tourniquet over bleeding out. There you go. Uh, Tom, it means so much you, you, to me that you're, you're joining us. You, you've been uh, my favorite, one of my favorite radio hosts. I think I, I've always said to you, my one thing I say when I talk about the Tom Hartman program is if I'm in a car, I have to have uh, paper and pencil next to me so I can pull over and write down what you say. <laughs> and you. you've given inspiration to so many people. I'm one of the people who first discovered Bernie Sanders when he, he did your show every week. Mm -hmm. Um, we're at the Christmas season, and I'd like to finish by asking, what does this time of year really mean to you? And what does Christmas at this point in your life really mean? It means hope. I think that's the essential message of Christmas, hope. What an honor, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Here's a question. Do you feel younger than you appear? Do you ever look in the mirror and say, wait a second, I don't feel like that. The under eye bags, or maybe it's the crow's feet, or maybe it's the wrinkles that can add years to your appearance. Look, looking your own age is great, and feeling comfortable in your own skin is important, but there's always that sting when someone thinks you're older than you really are. You just, you just, some days you can't take that crush of the ego. Some days it makes your confidence level plummet. It's okay. It's human. Let's talk about a quick and easy fix. Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates wrinkles, crow's feet, fine lines, and under eye bags in minutes. That's right. I'm talking minutes. Exactly what you need to win the battle against Father Time and restore your confidence. Look, don't believe it. I didn't either until I tried it. I have massive bags under my eyes, like Mario Cuomo level, like... I'll try to store them in the overhead bin on the plane. Now, uh, within minutes, I tried it, and I couldn't believe how different I looked. And it's the holidays coming up. You're going to have to be in a lot of pictures. Maybe you need this kind of fix. Plexiderm goes on clear, so no one will know you're using it, and the effects last for hours. Go to TryPlexiderm.com and use our code SEXYLIBERAL for 50% off plus an additional $10 off. That's right, 50% off plus an extra 10 bucks off. This offer is also available by calling one 800-685-1292 and mentioning code SEXYLIBERAL. Plexiderm is back by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryPlexiderm.com today and use the code SEXYLIBERAL at checkout. That's Plexiderm.com, code SEXYLIBERAL. 
My thanks to the great Tom Hartman. Um, Robert Reich was just uh, throwing down some wisdom about this, and he pointed out when Trump and Republicans passed their signature tax cut in 2017, they claimed it would boost worker paychecks, supercharge economic growth, and spur unprecedented business investment. Two years later, every one of those promises has been a complete bust. More than 60% of the tax savings went to the top 20% income bracket. The economy grew by 2.9%, exactly the same as it did in 2015, and business investment actually declined in the last two quarters. And not to mention, the tax cuts certainly did not pay for themselves. They exploded our deficit to unprecedented levels. And Reich says, who would have thought that a massive tax break for the wealthy and corporations would balloon the deficit, have no effect on economic growth, and shaft workers? I, for one, am shocked. Thank you, Robert Reich. Thank you, Tom Hartman. Thanks, all of you, for listening to this episode. It's uh, been quite a year, and I hope you can take all the positive and benign and loving feelings of the holiday. Keep them in your heart. Remember that hating other people makes us stupid. you got to beat these people. You can't become like these people. Have a beautiful Christmas, and you can write me anytime at johnfuglesang.com and send your letters, your thoughts, your threats, your your questions, whatever you got. Um, I'll be continuing our show on Sirius XM Progress over the holiday break. If you get to tune in, you'll hear uh, our best of the year, uh, including interviews with Robbie Robertson, Julie Andrews, uh, Pete Townsend, a lot of great stuff. Again, I'm John saying This is the Sanity Cast. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to everybody at the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hey, this is Frangela, and we host the final word with Frangela and Idiot of the Week podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll love our show, where every week we talk about real news, real funny. So come on over and listen to The Final Word with Frangela and find it at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.